Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Ville Church. This is your first time. We're so happy that you're here, and um, we look forward to seeing you again and see what God does in your life. Um, A couple sermons back, I spoke on trials and community, and um, I was asked to maybe do like a second part to that. Um, And so I'm just going to quickly review just a couple things from the previous sermon, uh, just a quick highlight uh, about how trials can break down community. Um, But the big question is, are we open or are we closed when it comes to when we encounter a trial. So when we encounter a trial, are we open or are we closed? And what I, what I mean by that and what we said in that was um, God does things in trials. If we're closed, we're going to miss that. And we're just going to you know, push our way through it and just probably hurt ourselves and hurt others. But if we're open to what God could be doing in that trial, it's, the, the, the opportunity is endless and what God can do. We also know that isolation in those trials breaks down community by keeping it to ourselves, by not sharing uh, with others and coming together when you're in a trial breaks down community. Um, And we also looked at how um, being ready uh, for and waiting on God in the unknown, right? There's, when you're in a trial, there's a beginning and there's a middle and there's an end. some of them that never end, something that just is tragic, is something to be mourned and grieved, but many of them do have ends. But in the middle, we don't know what's going to happen, and that's the unknown. That's the hardest part. And today, I'm going to talk about anger and community. Anger and community. Um, and the reason why uh, I, I chose anger is because I think there's a common... Um, experience that people are going through in this time and age that we're in, this point in, our, in America, in life, there's a lot of anger. Um, and there's, there's uh, anger that comes from many different things, but the most current things are, are, are um, things of, of injustices and um, what we thought someone believed or stood for um, is not at all what they stand for or believe, or now we know exactly how someone believes in what they stand for, and it feels hurtful and divisive, and um, it makes us feel insecure, and, and um, it's, it's hard, right? We're, we're in a hard time. Um, that's one thing that we're gonna, you're going to see if you stick around the Ville long enough. We're pretty, uh, we go pretty deep quite a bit, right? We're, we're not a really a surface church uh, sometimes, you know, and it's always good to have your your ebbs and flows of all that can always be so, so serious and so hard, and that's when Jay preaches. But uh, when I preach, it's always serious and hard. No, I'm just kidding. I was trying to make a joke out of it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but we want to deal with things that um, affect the church, affect one another, affect our culture around us. And anger is definitely one of them. And I could imagine if 
you're a squad leader uh, in the room. Uh, our squads are basically our small groups that we ask for people to gather and to be connected with. And if you're a squad leader and you're, you're, revisit, you're visiting for the first time after we saw what happened to Capitol Hill, uh, that would be uh, uh, intimidating if I was a squad leader. Um, and so, again, who knows what point of views and what's going to be expressed in that conversation. But just for an example, um, when it comes to having to lead in that. Today, as we talk about anger, I want you to keep in mind the same thing I did when it came, uh, the same thing that I asked you to keep in mind when it came to trials and communion. That is, just, are you open or are you closed? Are you open or are you closed? I believe strongly that Jesus has called us to always be open. When he called the disciples and he met them on the boat, he told uh, Peter and, and he said, would you come follow me? If Peter was closed, he went to follow him. Every time Jesus said, would you go do this? He was asking them to be open. He was asking them to be open to, would you pick up your cross? Would you be willing to suffer? Would you deny yourself? Are you open? Are you open to this? Are you open to having living water? Are you open to, to seeing um, the Son of Man raised on the third day? Are you open? And I believe as we deal with anger and life, we can be open or we can be closed. So keep that in mind. Now, there are two Greek words in the New Testament that are translated as anger. One means passion and energy, and the other means agitated and boiling. The one that is passionate in energy is an anger that is righteous and that is good and God-given. The one that is agitated and boiling and boils over is a sinful anger. So Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 says this, and I believe it's on the screen. Be angry and do not sin. So what type of anger is this? This is the one that gives given to passion and, and energy. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So we find right here that in Scripture, it tells us what we do with anger. It, it, it's, it's, or it tells us that anger is in itself is not a sin. Anger is a feeling. Um, it's, it's, it's something that can turn into sin. And that's why it says, be angry, but do not sin. It also says, do not let the sun go down. In other words, we must deal with it as it comes up. Um, we're going to look at this passage in Mark 3, 1 through 6. I was with my squad last night, and we went, went through it, and I thought it was such a great illustration, um, a sort of what we're talking about right here. Mark 3, 1 through 6 says, and again, he entered the synagogue. This is Jesus entering the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger. Did Jesus sin right here? No. What's going on in this situation? We have people that are there, the Pharisees 
and we have other people that are watching by. And with the Pharisees, they're there for their just cause. And they, they want to see, is Jesus going to heal on the Sabbath when we're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath? And Jesus is there, and he encounters this man that is in need. And he looks to them and says, is it good to do good on the Sabbath? Or is it bad to do not good on the Sabbath? Is it better to kill or is it better to heal? And he knows what's going on in their hearts, so he looks at them and he's angered. And it says, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with Her the Herodians against him and how to destroy him, to destroy Jesus. See, Jesus felt anger. The Pharisees felt anger. Jesus was open. The Pharisees were closed. Could you imagine, that could have been their moment if they were open to maybe get to know the reason why Jesus healed. Maybe afterwards, let him do his thing, pull him aside and say, like, tell me, what, like, how did you get to this place of where you would do this on the Sabbath? See, there are many times that we see something in our eyes and from our view that seems like it's just. And the Pharisees aren't, uh, saw something from their view and from their side as being just, that it was unjust for him to heal on the Sabbath. But they didn't know Jesus, and they didn't know the reason why. And that's what we miss when our anger becomes this wall and closes us in to actually see the person and see what we want and what we desire and what we think and what we're so sure about as being right at that moment. The Pharisees were closed. Jesus, so what's the outcome of it? Well, Jesus heals and the Pharisees' response to this perceived threat want to destroy. They got together, how do we destroy? So one brought life and brought healing, and the other one brought, it was one to bring about death. Now, anger is a natural response to perceived threats. When we are threatened, there's a natural response, a feeling of anger coming across, whether someone crossed a boundary or something was done wrong, that, that feeling is okay. There's nothing wrong with that feeling. Now, there's anger that comes from losing your patience, and I think that just comes from simple everyday frustrations, right? We want to get something done, or, or, or we want someone to act in a certain way, and it doesn't happen. Uh, or maybe you're being patient over and over again with a certain situation, and you're at your wit's end. Um, anger comes from when maybe we're not appreciated, maybe our opinions. Um, sometimes it comes from a past hurt. It brings up a past hurt. Something bad happened, and it just brings it up. Sometimes there's anger for injustice, which is the mistreatment of others when we ourselves also are mistreated. Someone crosses a boundary with us. Anger, again, is a natural response to perceived threats. Feelings of anger is like the warning lights that come on your vehicle. When you're driving down your vehicle and, and it says, you know, maintenance required or tire light comes on or something's going on, check engine, see your dealer, 
There's a reason why it's coming. It's trying to tell you something. The sad thing is that if we suppress that anger, it's like putting a piece of tape over that light. It doesn't disappear in what's going on underneath. It's trying to communicate that we're not okay with what just happened or what is happening. Now, we want to deal with anger in a biblical way. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 15 says, Rather, speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, even though we're angry and we have something that's going on in our lives, we do want to speak that and we want to share it and want to bring it up, but in love. In gentleness, in uh, Ephesians 4, 15, it also says, you know, we're being honest when we speak. People cannot read our minds. Many times we are trying to get across that we're angry, uh, um, but they don't know what's in our mind, so we need to share what's going on. Or we need to ask them, right? We're mad at them, they don't even know, and we need to ask them, and we don't know why they did what they did. So we're also reading their minds. So you want to clarify assumptions. That's why it says speak the truth. The second thing is to attack the problem and not the person, Ephesians 4, 29 and 31. Along this line, we must remember the importance of keeping the volume of our voices low, right? We speak to somebody and not at somebody. All of us have been guilty, well, at least I know I have been, of yelling or raising my voice. And that's when I've allowed anger to now project itself on someone else which is never helpful nor healing. And then Ephesians again says, you know, don't let the, ang- the sun go down in your anger, staying current with it, dealing with it as soon as possible, if possible. We must not allow what is bothering us to build up and then end up losing control. It's important to deal with it and deal with what's bothering us. Now, Jesus talks about the effect of our sin, the actual effect of what could happen if our sin takes full fruition. And we find that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 22. Let me open there real quick. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 22, if you're looking in the Word here. says, and you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the counsel of whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the how of fire. Why is Jesus equating anger with, with murder? The reason why He's, he's liable for that is because at the end it says when you say you fool, you're basically saying when you're angry to that point, you're nothing. You are nothing. You're a nobody. You're basically dead in a sense. That's what anger coming out with its full effect can cause. And that's what Jesus is saying here. See, whenever we see someone in front of us or a situation where we're angry at and we're not there uh, like the Pharisees should have and actually get to know the information around why they did or why they believe or why they think the way they think. 
basically we're saying you're nothing. You're not worth the time of actually hearing you or seeing you. I'm just going to let this anger out on you and get rid of you and confirm in my mind and my heart with my words and my actions that you are nothing. We disintegrate the image bearer of God. We, we dehumanize, we bring them down to nothing. In Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, it says, oh, let me say this first. Now, there's those things that we could work on, those, those things that we can communicate and share, right? When we see these injustices in the world, when we are going to continue to be in these for a long time and probably till Jesus comes back, I don't think it's going to get, you know, there's going to be any less. I think it's going to be about the same or more. So God is allowing these trials to come to this earth and come to the church. So either he wants to change us to transform us by them, to meet us in them, to birth new things in them, right? Or he wants to destroy us. I believe it's the first one. But there are times that we are not going to be able to solve a problem. We're not going to be able to fix anything in whatever uh, it is that we're angry with. There are things that are just not going to change. There's not a problem to be solved. There's only something to be grieved. So at the end of the day, one of the ways that uh, we will find here is Jesus deals with injustice sometimes by crying. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, you just got to cry sometimes. I didn't hear you say that. Say it. You just got to cry sometimes. It's okay to cry. Luke 19, 41 to 44 says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He wanted peace for them, right? For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you, and hem you in on every side, and tear you down to the ground, and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you didn't know the time of your visitation. He wept over it. Jesus didn't fix every problem when he's on earth. Matter of fact, he didn't really fix any problems. He fixed the ultimate problem, which we'll talk about in a minute. He sat with people. He saw people. He created a culture of loving people from where they're at. He created a culture of, of loving our enemies and loving our neighbors. He created a culture of loving those that are hard to love, not those that are easy to love. He created a culture of suffering, and that's what he says in, in the same uh, chapter 5. It says, blessed are those in the Beatitudes, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. God is in discomfort. God is in pain. God is in mourning. God is in the poverty. God is in the brokenhearted. God is in the, the poor of spirit. That's where God is. That's where God dwells. That's where his strength is made known to us. It's never someone's strength and ability that impresses us, but it's how 
hurt they've been and how hard it's been and how God has worked in that and through that, that gives us hope. Most people's strengths in our lives brings condemnation, brings a, um, a sense of guilt and shame because why can't I be like that? Why can't I have that? Why can't I do it like that? And it also feeds pride within us as Americans. Well, I pulled myself up and I did this and I did that and I went through those same trials and it was hard for me and I didn't make no excuse for myself. It feeds our, our dependency on ourselves instead of feeding our dependency upon Christ. And we see that. But God creates this opposite culture. And so when it comes to anger, sometimes we, could just, we just need to weep over it. And God's right there bringing the healing over, weeping what we're so angry and so hurt with this injustice. It's not going to be solved. One way I like to illustrate um, when, how we deal with anger and, and how we deal with injustice with the church, um, with the bill specifically, and we like to use it. So, so we are a church that has been called into a long story. DeVille Church is, is being called into a long story. And it moves very carefully. And sometimes because we move carefully, we move carefully, it takes time. It doesn't move fast. Some, there are times where, hey guys, we need this, we need that, let's get it going. There are some times like that. But on the most part, if you've been here for some time, we move very slow because we're moving carefully. We're, we're praying that we're moving carefully. Because that's what it takes sometimes. Sometimes you have to take your time in order for you to be careful, right? We're a church that does not want to be controlling. We don't want to be controlling with you. So we are waiting on God to, to be doing the work in you and bringing the fruit of obedience and change and transformation in you. We want to work with God and we want to wait on God with you in that. For example, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that if we ask you to do something, for example, like taking time daily to stop and be with Jesus, be in silence and stillness, which is wonderful, right? We're not going to go be calling you and finding out, hey, did you stop and be with Jesus today? Did you have a daily office? Did you, you know, whatever? We're not going to do that. We'll encourage you. We'll remind you. It goes the same for taking a day of Sabbath every week to, to rest and to refresh and be in, in, in God's presence, being part of a, a squad. Why do I bring this up? And what does it have to do with anger and injustice? Stay with me. Well, each and every one of you is an individual. And with being an individual that was brought up with a certain upbringing, and you have an individual story, you understand things and you're going through things, you're at different places in your life. And we know without a doubt that stopping to be with Jesus and taking the Sabbath to refresh your soul and being together in fellowship is healthy. And it's unjust for, our, for yourselves to not do that. And it's also unjust to us and to the whole body of Christ. But in the same way, we don't want to display 
Uh, we want to display patience. We want to listen to your story. We want to join in God doing the change in your heart, in his timing, bringing about the fruit in his way. And we also want you to do the same with each other. If we can be with each other in this way, if we can enter the long story of one another's lives, it's a long story and it's God's story that he's writing in your lives. If we could enter that story and enter that with each other, then we'll be this way with those that are in Brentwood. We'll be this way with our crazy coworker, crazy uncle and crazy aunt, right? We'll be this way when it comes to people that are outside the Ville Church that are difficult, that are in our community, that we talk to on the streets. And we'll, deal, we'll be this way, hopefully, with those that are coming in that are not used to this culture. And they have different cultures and different beliefs and they function in a different way. We'll be patient. And yes, it is contrary to the Americanized church that are about getting people through certain hoops so they can count the numbers and claim their prize of success. In other words, using us as an object to get what they want from us or want from you. We're, we're constantly calling you, church, to a place of invitation where we invite Christ in our lives to do what he's going to do, asking you to be open to the unknown of what he's doing in your life. Many times it does not look successful or make sense at the moment or may not get everything you want the way you want it, the way it should be. But we're calling you to a place where your focus is not on yourselves and not even on one another, but on Christ who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, and has done everything for that to be true. One that will never push himself away and push his agenda on you, but actually draws you to him to see that his desire for you is what you desire down deep in your hearts because Christ is the one, God is the one who made us, Christ is the one who made us, and we were made for him and in him. And through him, he is bread of life, he is living water, he is everything that we're looking for. And he invites you in, and he takes his time. The Bible says he is slow to anger, he's very patient. And his anger anytime is only at the wrong that hurts you, but not you. He takes his time, he's patient. He's willing to hear you. He's willing to see you and, and listen to your story over and over again. Even if it's not true what you're thinking about yourself or believing, he's patient with that. We see that with Peter. Peter tells him, I'm here, I'm in, we're doing this. And Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan. You know what I'm saying? Because why? Peter did not know his ability to sin. Peter was still living in deception. Peter was still living in this facade of Jesus is going to 
take the throne. We're going to be ruling and reigning with him. We're taking over all the politics. We're taking over all the injustices. We've been down. We're going to be up. We're going to be rolling in the dough. Things are going to get better. Finally, God's going to reign on this earth. And Jesus says, I'm going to die. So Jesus, we, we invite you as Christ invites us. As Christ invites us. So it's a long walk. But it's a beautiful walk. This church is a beautiful church. And the calling that this church has is a beautiful calling. And I know many times it seems like nothing is changing and nothing is becoming better, especially as you're on the media out there, especially as you're listening to nothing but bad news. But I want you to know today, even this moment, this hour, this second right here as we're here, you're listening to God's word as a church that has love for each other, that sees each other. Something is happening. God is doing something. We are getting to know each other even when at first it seems strange or awkward or hard or difficult, but we're still by each other's side. God is doing something. See, Jesus had a plan, and this plan is that he would do the same thing that we're doing here with 12 people that would do the same thing with 12 more people. And one at a time, he would change the inside of them and their hearts that would now see people and love people as he did, that would give up their life for their friends. And then those 12 people would do that with 12 people. And that's Jesus' master and only plan until one day we meet him in heaven and drink and eat with him. Now, last but not least, how do we deal with anger ultimately? Sometimes there's something we need to address. As you're in your squads, as you're getting together, as you're in your fellowship and you're, you're breaking bread, please bring these things up. Please begin to talk about them. But be, you know, slow to anger, right? Quick to listen. Do it gently. Speak the truth in love. Allow each other to, to, to express an opinion or an idea that may be totally contrary to the Bible or to what's right or to what you think is right. Not to egg them on, but for them to at least get it out of their lips and speak about it. Because the things that are most dangerous are the things that are hidden that you never knew that they never were able to talk about. We stay lost and, and controlled by these things in our head without bringing a voice to it. Jesus spoke. He gave us a mouth to speak. He gave us words to communicate, to bring out from the darkness to the light. We walk in the light, so we speak things into the light. And then gently we come alongside each other and say, have you thought of this? Have you, have you read this? Have you watched this? Oh, can I show you this? Are you open? That's the first question. Well, are you open? If someone has something contrary, ask them, are you open? Are you open to consider something different? If they're not, you stop. Pray for them. Pray one day they will be open. Don't pry them open. Don't make them open. Allow them to be what we are all the time. We are ourselves. Many times we're just closed. We're convinced. There's hurt there. There's pain there. We can't see anything past that. But ultimately, how do we deal with anger at the end of the day? Ultimately, how is our anger dealt with? Our anger is dealt with the same way the Heavenly Father dealt with it, by placing it on Jesus. 
placing it on Jesus to pay for our sins. Romans 5, 9, I believe it is. Let me see here. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? In other words, God's righteous anger was poured out on Jesus, and Jesus' blood, we've been justified by his blood. That's what Romans says, we've been justified by his blood. How much more will we be saved from the wrath of God? So God's anger is no longer towards us. God's anger has been satisfied by the payment that was paid by Jesus. Jesus felt God's full anger at our unrighteousness and all unrighteousness for the sake that we would never have the Father angry with us ever again. So how do we deal with anger in its full-fledged form when there's nothing to be resolved and there's no you know, justification? There's, how do we deal with it? We deal with it by realizing that the Father's not angry with us. We deal with it by believing and understanding that, there's, that, that God is not angry with us. So we cannot be angry with one another. And that Jesus died when we are angry to that point where we say you are nothing. Jesus died for that. But there's great comfort and great power in knowing that that anger that God had has now been satisfied. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but God is not angry with you. God is not angry with you. Did you know there's nothing you can do to ever make him angry with you? That was done on the, on the cross of Calvary. It was, it was finished. It was complete. It was enough. Now, what does that do to you? If the only one in this room that can be rightly angry with us, and they're not, How does that give us a heart to have anger or to hold on to anger? It doesn't. So every time we have anger, every time that anger comes up, is it to move to do something, energy, right, to resolve? That's good. That's a good thing, right? The other day, someone was treating someone wrong. I went to my boss and I dealt with it. Yeah, I got angry. I could have got back at that person. I could have beat that person. No, I went to, hey, this is what's going on. Gently, calmly, asking Jesus to help me, and then let it go, right? That's it. Not in my hands no more. That's the righteous anger. Unrighteous anger, like, you know, and you and this, and you want to talk about them, you want to beat them up, you you want to belittle them, you want to gossip about them. That is not righteous anger. We need Jesus. We need a Savior. See, we could not even be saved from just the, I mean, tell me, what is anger? Point it out to me in the room today. You can't even point it out. Can't even, where is it? What does it look like? Something you can't even see. And it defeats us. That's what Jesus died for. So we could have victory. 
So when we do have anger that is not right, we can say, will you forgive me? I was angry and I sinned against you. Because guess what? You've done it, you're going to do it, and it's going to happen. That was Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan was, hey, God's plan was, you know what? I will take the anger from my father so that they can confess their anger one day. Because why? God's not angry with me. So I'm forgiven. I don't know if you've ever heard that in your life. I'm not sure if you uh, have ever known that God actually is not angry, does not want to be angry uh, with people. That it's the opposite. He actually loves the world. Yes, in love there's righteous anger, but he gives his own son so that you could be his daughter and son forever. And that's the gospel. The gospel is that we don't have this together that we cannot keep ourselves from being angry and we cannot keep ourselves from righteously dealing with anger. We're going to deal with it wrong. And that we need to know over and over that the Father is not angry with us. So therefore, we're able to have God give us a heart to confess, to help us, to talk about it, to process it, to say it gently love, to, to not assume, to, 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 to ask people, can I read your mind? Can I, I, I'm assuming something and I'm feeling something. I'm feeling angry about this, but I want to know so I don't misjudge or tell me where you're coming from. We, we have that because Jesus died so we could have that. That was his plan. Not our own strength, not our own ability, but all in Christ. Anger in community. We do not want you to suppress your anger. We don't want you to walk away continuing in anger, and we don't want you to destroy yourself and everyone around you with anger, and that's exactly what will happen. Proverbs said it's like a fire. It, it begins with, it, it's like a, it's like a, if you were uh, uh, through a match and, and a bunch of weeds or bushes just flared up, and in junior high, that's, that's what I did. It was outside my school. Outside the fence, me and my friends were playing with matches and, and, and lighting a little bit of weeds. And it's so dry in New Mexico, literally, it went from there past the fence and we took off because it was going towards the school. Don't tell them I said that. I know I'm recorded. It's not a good thing. Those that are younger don't do that. I think I'm in trouble now. Hey, but you got to forgive me. <laughs> so anyways, uh, and that's how fast anger can take its, its root. Anger costs us time, um, can cost money, costs a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of emotions. And, and, and the thing with anger, too, at some point, is it's like we're trying to fix something that maybe just needs to be wept over. And, and it takes time for healing. Give yourself some, some room for, for patience. God is patient with you. Be patient with yourself as you're going through the emotions of anger. But please, if anything, speak the truth in love. Um, and allow yourselves to say, you know what, if God isn't angry, then let me talk about my anger. You know, if God's not angry with me, if the Father's not angry with me. With that church, if we could ask the, the worship team, uh, Kevin, to come up, <laughs> play us a tune, and let us sing to God. And, and maybe, hey, today you have been dealing with anger, you know, uh, I deal with anger all the time, but it, you know, you're going through it right now. Maybe there's something you're, you're really dealing with, a trial, and 
And, and maybe there's stuff that you're just upset with that's going on in our culture and you want to bring it out. You want to share it with somebody. You want to talk about it. I want to encourage you. Um, find someone that you can talk to that you can trust. Obviously, your squad and, and your pastors, you know, um, Elder Tony, just and allow yourself to deal with it. Don't, don't be alone in it. Um, and if you've, made, you've done things wrong in your anger, go back to those and, and let them know, you know, hey, I did wrong and will you forgive me? And um, even if they don't forgive you, uh, what matters is that you, you share it with them. Because why? The Father's not angry with us. And all of God's anger's already been placed on Jesus and he's forgiven us. We're going to take of the Lord's Supper now. So um, as we take of the Lord's Supper today, I just want to let you know that it's a reminder, again, of what I just said. That his body was broken and his blood was shed. So that way we could have peace with God. And no longer would he ever have to be angry with us ever again. Now, those of you that maybe have never uh, believed that, this is an invitation as we take of the Lord's Supper, that if you are taking of the Lord's Supper, you're saying that you do believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that, that he is no longer angry with you and that he forgives you and that he loves you and that it was enough. And if that's you, you're welcome to partake with us. All right, church. God bless you.